It's a 17. Your thief finds a secret door. Do you want to open it? Yes. Everything at the field of your vision starts to fade away and get fuzzy. And then suddenly you find yourself, you realize that you're slowly teleporting. And you find yourself. And it's April 10th, 2013. And you're on 508, a show about Worcester. What do you think about that, Brendan? I think that was the most excellent use of the bag of holding ever. <laughs> it's Brendan Milliken on the show today. And I am Michael Benedetti. There's also a disinterested studio audience on the 508 program. Today, let's just talk about uh, let's just talk about casinos, and we'll also do some mea culpas um, on the 508 program. Uh, Brendan. Mike. I want to talk to you about this casino stuff. Right. Oh, and by the way, for the people at home, we can't do this because of copyright reasons, but um, I think that you should like find get, get your copy of the ACDC song Money Talks and just play that on repeat in the background just to kind of get yourself pumped up through yeah. this segment. So there's this thing about the slot machine casino. Mm-hmm. This is really just like the big news. This could be the big news for a while in Worcester, but it's Probably definitely the big news be. right now. Yes. Um, like where do where do we start explaining this this thing of casinos? The state legislature a while ago decided decided that it would be eleven. Yeah. So a couple of years ago they said they had a vote and they said okay we're going to let there be some, a few casinos in handful of casinos uh, and then the, the, what we're looking at was a part of that legislation allowed for one slot parlor. Just so one slot parlor. one slot parlor and so and the other side anyways. Yeah. And so these guys who develop these kinds of things. It's like, we want to have the slot parlor, and we want to put it in Worcester. There's four sites that have actually been identified. I, okay. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. I believe Raynham is one of them. But yes, now Worcester has become the fourth uh, site that is being looked at by a private company that would like to build a slot parlor here. And they would put, so this would be a big warehouse full of slot machines, basically? I, I guess so. I mean, I, it could be a yurt or something along those lines. I've so never been to a, a slot parlor. I kind of, in my head, I just vision, you know, like a very bland stucco building, a very large one, probably mm-hmm. with a little bit of neon, maybe something flashing outside. Uh, a sign that says slot parlor. Yeah, maybe some nice check cashing signs <laughs> around the facade. But yeah, no, I, I don't know what, what design, I, that's that's beyond my, my skill. But yes, a, a building with slot machines. Hundreds of slot machines. Thousands of slot machines. I have no idea how many slot oh, machines. Okay. How many slot machines? I have no idea. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> Innocent bystanders walking by. Um, okay. So, so, and then there's something about a hotel here too. Uh, hotel not attached to that property, but uh, part of the, I guess, the scope of the project would be a luxury hotel somewhere in downtown Worcester. So this wouldn't be. This would be sort of on the edge of downtown. This would be in that Wyman Gordon lot, that giant semi-abandoned factory lot that's near kelly square huge parcel of land been unoccupied for some time and then and that would be rush street gaming uh or rush rush street gaming they're out of chicago i believe uh that's who's focusing on the slot side of things Mm -hmm. uh richard friedman who is a renowned uh hotel developer from the cambridge area he's the one that is looking at the hotel component but again they're, they're separate entities that are just kind of in motion together. This seems weird. Would people stay at a luxury hotel so they could play slot machines in a big warehouse? Well, that's why I say I think they're they're separate. They need, really kind of need to be viewed as separate entities. Mm-hmm. There, there's clearly a relationship of sorts between the two, but I, I don't necessarily think that the, the the expectation is that people are going to leave the slot parlor with their big winnings and go stay <laughs> at a five star hotel. Um, I think the the hope is that a five star hotel or a four star, whatever we're doing for ratings these days, uh, would have its own draw. Uh, okay. And it's probably its own amenities attached to it. So we should just talk about the slot machine probably stuff best. as far yeah. as this conversation goes. Okay, so, but this doesn't exist yet, this slot machine parlor. Not that I'm aware of. And what, and what has to happen, 
like besides building the slot machine parlor, mm-hmm. there's also some procedural stuff that has to happen between now and then. Yes. So uh, a, a high level, you, you essentially have, and this is where we are now, the, the gaming company and the city of Worcester through, in our case, the manager's office, will negotiate a host uh, package. Okay. Uh, and that is going to be an agree- or host agreement. And that is going to be an agreement. Um, the, the term mitigation is used uh, to describe uh, what the gaming company is going to give the city of Worcester for the rights to put a slot parlor in the city. And that, that, to sum that up is basically the idea that it, whether they be negative impacts or positive impacts, it is there's with a doubt there's going to be impacts on the right. city. And that those um, that proposal will try and hone in on ways that the gaming commission or the gaming company can uh, lower the impact or enhance the impact if they're positives on the city through some form of mitigation. or Cause, cause, Because we should say that I think that if we were just talking about bringing slot machines to Worcester, that would be a different conversation. If somebody said, okay, now every bar in Worcester can have a slot machine or right. something like this, then it's like, okay. So now we have more gambling going on in Worcester, but there's already Keno and things going on in bars. Yep. So there's certainly people gambling in bars in Worcester. But we're saying somebody wants to put in, I don't know why he described this in my mind as a warehouse, like a giant thing with hundreds or thousands of slot machines in it as like a one big thing, boom, in this vacant lot. Yep. And there's some kind of impacts from that for sure. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, maybe it could be so, no, it, it could be as small as traffic patterns change. So somebody needs, we need new streetlights, mm-hmm. and the city of Worcester doesn't want to put up streetlights, right. so Rush Street Gaming will pay for them. Okay. Uh, maybe the, this, we feel that so we're going to need more police officers, so they pay for a public safety class. Mm-hmm. There are some limitations on to where those monies can go, uh, what they can be used for, and uh, I believe even the time frame. Mm-hmm. So that I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you're not allowed to put together packages that would say, you know, the city's going to take like a rev share from for, for the next 20 years of potential profits or whatnot. Yeah. They have to be uh, actual um, items that can be identified that they can uh, support financially. So we should do a brief digression here. A couple weeks ago on the show, it was actually the 10th anniversary of the beginning of the Iraq War. And we didn't talk about that on the show. Um, I thought it was an interesting anniversary because I saw a lot of uh, pundits that day were talking about either why they were sorry that they'd supported the war or why they weren't sorry they'd supported the war. But a, a, a lot of mea culpas, as they say, around, you know, saying like, OK, I supported it, but I was wrong. And here's why I think I was wrong at the time. I want to we make mistakes, too. I didn't support the Iraq war, but I have made a lot of mistakes on this show. And actually, one of the most recent mistakes was um, after these guys these developers came out and said, we want to open this slots parlor. The first couple of reactions from public officials I heard were very negative. And so I was on the show talking about how I felt like our public officials were not being very creative in uh, looking at this and trying to figure out a way way they could support this. I was completely wrong about that impression because (laughs) the public officials are pretty much in favor of this at this point. Would you say? I mean, at least the way that people are talking seems like people are... are I think what people are in favor of is almost... It's, it's not so much that they're in favor of the proposal. I think folks are in favor of not having to be the ones to make a decision on it. Mm. Uh, and I, I think, in a way, that was one of the genius bits of the legislation that brought us to this point, is that it, it's kind of written in a way that absolves elected officials from having to take a stand on the issue one way or another and instead put it in the, in the hands of the voters, which is the tail end of the process, at okay. least on the local level. So we, so we need to... So, okay, so, right. So you were talking about that there's this... that. They, they may be able to open this casino here, but that the city would, as part of this, be able to, to, counter, and, to counter and say, we're going to write up an agreement that we want to get into yeah. with you where you give us some, some funding to do this and that and the other thing to make 
to yeah, deal with Yeah, maybe Michael O'Brien would just ask for, the city manager would just ask for a sandwich, right? But I mean, sure. I, I think the hope is that they would ask for something that would benefit the city. And then from there, um, you know, the, the agreement would be signed off on. Um, and then you have a kind of a buffer period um, that's kind of like a cooling off period, which is kind of designed for local debate uh, okay. and what have you. And then it comes to a referendum. Okay. Uh, where the city would then, the voters in the city would then be able to come out and vote on up or down whether or not they actually think the package and the casino uh, are viable and mm-hmm. should be in the city. And then from there, it gets pushed off to the gaming commission, um, who then gets to take a look at again because the way it's written now, there can only be one slot parlor in the state. There are already four proposed, mm-hmm. so they'll wait to all four of those packages come together. Uh, in the time frame that's been allotted, and then the Gaming Commission will make a final decision as to which they feel uh, should be awarded. Oh, it's really? So, so, I mean, so roughly speaking, this thing could go all the way through, and everybody in Worcester could be like, this sounds like a great idea, and then there's still a chance that we're, it's not going to happen. Yet. Yeah, I mean, it could fail on a number of levels. I mean, it, it, again, there's no guarantee that all four of those communities, or if more come on, I don't think there's a window for, for more to come on, but if all four communities, those communities could uh, fail the referendums, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll be the only ones left. Uh, we could fail a referendum. Uh, maybe the city and, and the, the gaming group won't actually be able to come to an agreement on, uh, you know, a host agreement mm-hmm. uh, and not allow it to go forward to a referendum. There's a lot of things that could change in the process. It's, it's not a done deal, but on some level, the whole process is designed to allow uh, the maximum amount of citizen engagement. And again, it, it's it, in a way, it's kind of creative in that it absolves a lot of responsibility of uh, local elected officials from being put in a position where they would either have to take a stance pro or, pro or con right. uh, and instead put the hands uh, in, in the, the, the say in the voters. Now, so, re- yeah, so recently it seems like the city councils, at least some of the city councilors, <laughs> seem to be interested in avoiding taking a stand on this and just mm-hmm. saying, I have no control. This week at the city council meeting, people were making very strong statements at them, like maybe you should actually take a leadership role Which or express an do. idea, a vision. Yeah, there's so, nothing saying that they can't do that, but it, there's just there's there's other than an exercise in representative democracy, there's little upside for them to do that. So, but so they're gonna vo- they are gonna have a vote about this in the city council, though. Um, the, the vote, well, the, the vote that they're planning on taking now is just reinforcing that, the, and this should be taking place in two weeks, uh, should be a vote to reinforce their wish that the manager engage in the negotiations for a host okay. agreement. So it's, it's not in favor okay. of the the, 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 the the proposal, it's in favor of the manager actually going forward and negotiating something to see what comes out. Is it possible, <laughs> what happens if, I mean, so let's say, for example, that the council voted and said, we don't want the manager to negotiate a host agreement. Yep. And then the manager said, okay, fine. I won't write up this host agreement. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that there's then no vote of the city's it, people of Worcester? Technically, that's what's happened in other communities. I believe that's what happened in Foxborough, where there was a proposal. Is and Foxborough in Massachusetts? Yes. Okay. Um, where, so yeah, under the same <laughs> no, balance, I, no I, I have no idea. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> I'm very foggy-headed today. I'm very uninformed. It's a little bit like Jordan Levy is hosting yeah, no, the show I mean, today. If we look at our, pl- we'll our form of government and we assume that uh, although the manager runs the show, but he works at the discretion of the council, uh-huh. uh, it, the council, in theory, could instruct him to uh, not negotiate uh, a host agreement okay. with, with the uh, gaming company. Uh, and in theory, it would just die in the water. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that, those are kind of uncharted waters, but that, that seems to be the way uh, things have functioned elsewhere. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, it, so, it is, so, there, so, so at least your sense of it is that there is the possibility of 
the, the city manager or the city council saying there's not going to be a slot parlor in Worcester. Yeah, no, and I, but the, the potential is there. Again, the, I, I think, and I don't know if it's a good argument, I think the argument that the council would then make is, well, if they put their personal beliefs on that forward, uh, all they're doing is cutting out the ability of the voters to actually speak to it. And it's, of course, a double-edged sword. I mean, I'm sure we could look at any referendum or ballot question that either went our way or didn't go our way and mm-hmm. say that was either a great exercise in you know, mob rule or a terrible exercise in mob rule. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the well, concern is there's, there's a lot of people that actually think this is a great idea. Sure. There are just as many, if not more, people who think it's a terrible idea. Sure. One of those two groups is going to lose. Mm-hmm. I think in an election year, elected officials would rather let one of those two groups lose on their own accord as opposed to try and pick S- the team that they're going to get behind. Yeah. I don't know that that's the, the most noble way to approach things, but it kind of makes sense from, you know, the position of trying to stay in office, I guess. Okay. So let's say, so let's say that the city council says to the manager, you know, we should negotiate with these guys. There's this could poss- there's possibly some value in this whole thing. Yes. See what you can come up with and pass a host agreement. Right. Or write up a host agreement. Then there would be a vote. Mm-hmm. We would have a special election for this. We have to have a special election uh, again. From what I've what I understand, it has to be a separate ballot from any other election. So I know people have been talking about the potential of it being on the June twenty fifth special election for a Senate race. It sounds like that would overcomplicate things because you would actually need to have two separate ballots, which would then require two separate check ins and check outs, and it would be a very convoluted mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine it being it a little confusing just, if people were having to go through yeah. two voting processes at the same. Time. And not everyone might actually know what they're showing up to vote for. Right. You know, um, the so in all likelihood it will be a separate uh, local referendum okay. that will just be run through the Worcester Election Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I assume the clerk is probably trying to work through that now. And yeah, it'll just be a, a special election open to all registered voters at the time. Okay. And and then from there it gets magically pushed off to the Gaming Commission. And we cross our fingers and we see what happens. Yeah. So you so now I on the last show. One thing that I don't think I've made a mistake on is that I, in the last show, said, you know what? I could see some value in this happening. Mm-hmm. This is a site which, the fact, the company Wyman Gordon has not been using this site, it doesn't seem like, really, for a long time. There's some concern about um, that this is a brownfield, that there's some kind of contamination, and the EPA would require some kind of work to be done mm-hmm. on this area. Um, and so, like, the fact that somebody says, you know what? I want to deal with a problem property, a huge problem property, very mm-hmm. near to downtown, yep. right in the center of the city, and do something with it. And there will be some jobs and things. I mean, there there will be some jobs and things. That's fine. You know, like, that seems okay to me. I mean, like, people are going to gamble and engage in bad behavior. That's fine. I mean, and we, we could even say, like, maybe some of the people who are backing this are unsavory or doing unsavory things or whatever. Like, I, you know, like, if we want to make it illegal for unsavory people to do business – business in the city that's a whole different conversation you have to show me the door well <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of unsavory people on this very show yeah um, myself included so uh, so it, again it just seems to me like sure let's you know let's see what this could be I, positive I, I i don't think i would go so far as to be that supportive of it, but uh, of the idea but i'm kind of in a similar uh, small boat i guess where hmm. i get really weirded out by some of the moral arguments against gambling hmm. um because it's just not my place to get involved in um, I, I also get somewhat weirded out by some of the more heavy-handed concern of uh, you know addiction issues and whatnot mm-hmm. because those are things that we should be able to deal with 
And again, gambling actually exists. We're not cutting something. You're right. We're not but, eliminating you think, something. Do you think we're going to see some sort of res, re, some sort of additional number of local people who have a gambling problem as a result? Of I don't this? know, and I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, 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 could, I, I could I could buy that. I don't know anything about the science. I think there's a, an argument to be made there. I, I would, but I, I would equally argue that there's probably X number, of, like an unknown, but X number of uh, of gaming dollars in the world, mm-hmm. and X number of gamblers, and they're probably figuring out a way to. We're, we're probably not going to see many people who are just going to wake up one morning and say gambling, like and. Mm-hmm find this new thing um that that's not really my concern my really the only thing i've been left with that that's been really bugging me as a homeowner and someone who has like a family in the city is i remember growing up in worcester and being very sensitive to the fact that anytime i left worcester especially as a teenager whether it be cape cod or another part of the country i never failed to run into people who knew where i was from but again, growing up in the 80s and 90s, they knew where I was from because they knew Worcester had great heroin, and they knew about our awesome sign that AIDS and hepatitis B had not, had not been controlled in the Piedmont area. Um, like, and it always really bugged me being not just a lifer myself in Worcester, but someone like generationally a lifer in Worcester, mm-hmm. that like, I was raised to appreciate like, all the great things in Worcester, and everywhere I went, I met people who just knew you know, some of our sketchier uh, aspects of, of city life that yeah. are not uncommon. And it bothers me to think that my son will grow up in a city that will be labeled as, oh, that's the place with the slots parlor. The slot machine capital of central Massachusetts. The thing that Lawrence didn't have any interest in. Um, And that bothers me on a more Hmm. personal level. And and I think, you know, there are plenty of arguments to be made pro and con for for this. I think that's actually the thing that city officials need to be thinking of, is that we already have a lot of middle class drain from the city. Mm -hmm. People moving, no shortage of people selling their homes, moving to Holden, Paxton, places unknown, uh, their arguments for doing so are not always well articulated, but they seem to drill down to concern for their family and yeah. what growing up is going to be like. I don't think this is going to help. Mm. And um, in a way, I think that's where you know, some of the folks who spoke yesterday at, at the council meeting and other folks who have been publicly opposed, I think at the core of their message is this idea, like, is this actually what we want the city of Worcester to be? Because this and is going to be a big thing. It's because it's physically. It's physically a big thing. It's it's just like when Walmart came in. You know, I mean, it's a physically, it's a massive space, um, and it's going to have some impact. I'm not in a position to be able to you know pull out the crystal ball and see what the impact's going to be 20 years down the road. But there is going to be an impact, and we need to be prepared for whatever that impact is, up to including just not wanting to be here anymore. I want to talk to you about something that's very related. Oh, I've, been reading, I've been reading this book by Nassim Taleb, Anti-Fragile. This book, Anti-Fragile, is one of the best books I've read in a couple of years. And he is getting at some ideas that are, connect to things that we've talked about on this show, you know, like um, you know, resilient communities, mm-hmm. sustainable development, like do we want a Walmart? And I think that he articulates some of my concern about these things in a smarter way than I've ever thought through, thought them through or articulated we them. We should just start reading books. On we the should show. start reading. Well, I always love reading a book on the show. We should read more newspapers on the show too. He he has a he has a wonderful uh, sub chapter title. Small may be ugly, but it is certainly less fragile. He says we often hear the expression "small is beautiful." It is potent and appealing. Many ideas have been offered in its support. Almost all of them anecdotal, romantic, or existential. And he, then he says, I'm going to present this with a, this approach, which involves a sort of statistical or uh, statistical mode of thinking. He says, um, another aspect of size, large corporations also end up endangering neighborhoods. I've used the following argument against large superstore chains in spite of the advertised benefits. A large super megastore wanted to acquire an entire neighborhood near where I live, causing uproar owing to the change it would bring to the character of the neighborhood. 
The argument was in favor of the revitalization of the area, that type of story. I fought the proposal on the following grounds. Should the company go bust, and the statistical elephant in the room is that it eventually will, we would end up with a massive war zone. This is the type of argument that the British advisors Rohan Silva and Steve Hilton have used in favor of small merchants along the poetic, small is beautiful. It is completely wrong to use the calculus of benefits without including the probability of failure. So we have a number of parcels in the city um, and we talk about them so much on this show. Mm-hmm. The South Worcester Industrial Park. We've done shows in them. We've done shows in them. <laughs> the downtown mall, which was like, you know, at this point maybe 10, 10 years sort of semi-abandoned or under construction or whatever. But now it's a road. So technically but now it's, it's well, a parcel it's, anymore. It's, now it's a couple of parcels. <laughs> that we have these giant properties in the city. And it, I feel like if you have a small property in the city – you know, if somebody has a storefront, if somebody has a house and they move or they die or something or they go out of business, somebody else can go in there. There's a lot of people who have the kind of capital to go in there and deal with that. Not with those giant spaces, though. That's Not with tough. the giant spaces. Even if they're, even if it's polluted, people have the ability to deal with a small lot probably. A lot easier. There's many fewer people, many fewer organizations that can do that. And it seems like every time they come in, they have the kind of leverage to say to the city, like, you give me something you have to work or the city's out there trying to find people to do this i, I i'm glad you read that because that actually <clears throat> it does a great job of honing in on one of the things that i've had a really hard time articulating or thinking through in my own head about the the casino so i mean if you look at this property it's i think 15 acres 14 acres it's something in that it's an enormous piece of property so rush street gaming is already functioning uh, in massachusetts as a subsidiary so let's go down the the negative line that they could go out of business right so the subsidiary just dissolves, right? It, mm-hmm. it files bankruptcy. Doesn't actually impact Rush, Rush Street Gaming. Right. The parent company stays completely liquid. This say it goes south, they just go out of business. Mm-hmm. Now we're stuck, and maybe this is ten years down the road, fifteen years down maybe the road. Maybe it's Who five knows? years down the road. It could be. The reality yeah. is, I mean, what's the chance of it, it, the chance of it going out of business within five years? Probably one percent. But we're going to take a commercial property at our highest uh, tax rate that has been off the tax rolls for an extended period of time bring it back on the tax rolls as usable space, and we're now going to be doing business day-to-day with the economic realities of this 14-acre parcel of land being taxable land. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be our new reality until right. it goes out of business. And then when it goes out of business, whatever that tax valuation is, is just going to magically disappear from our city budget. Right. That's the sort of thing that, again, the city really needs to think through. There, there's a great upside with the attached uh, hotel Mm-hmm. But if we get to a point where we're now having difficulty funding public safety or public education or you know public works, whatever the case may be, uh, because one business that encompasses a 14-acre parcel of, of commercial space goes under, that's the sort of thing that could be tragic for a city that gets used to the new economic reality of being able to rely upon those tax dollars, right. that revenue stream. Or, so, yeah, so I would say part of the upside here is that you have this 14-acre property, which at least gets no, it's no longer a brownstone. It's no, no longer a rock farm. Well, it's no longer, people, right, people have done, like, the environmental mitigation to clean it up. Yep. So the next person who has to deal with this is going to have a lot easier time. But at the same time, you do have this, you, so, I mean. Who is that next person? I mean, Who is that next yeah. person? And I guess my question, and I've asked people who I know about urban planning and haven't gotten a good answer, is, are there best practices for dealing with this problem? I, I was just looking at this old article from a couple of years ago. Barbara Haller, then city councilor, was uh, complaining about this property, and she said that she felt like the company that owned this property was like holding the city hostage mm-hmm. because they had this huge property, and they're just like, we can do whatever we want because we are. It's it's you know it's like the old, uh, it's like the what's what's the old saying? You know, um, 
you know, if if you owe the if you owe the bank ten, if you owe the bank a million dollars, the bank owns you. Mm-hmm. If you owe the bank ten million dollars, you own the bank. <laughs> um, I, depending on who you talk yeah. to, they weren't even answering phone calls from the manager's office when they were trying to inquire, like, what's the deal here? What do we need to ha- make? What do we need to do to make something happen? Yeah. I, until you know, somebody actually came in with a reasonable proposal to buy the property. So this is my, this is my, this is the, I feel like this is the issue. And this is not an issue which the casino developers are causing, right? This is an issue which is an ongoing issue. I'm sure other cities face it, which is like having a variety of properties, maybe distributed along a fractal scale where you have a lot of small properties and a few large properties. This makes sense within the fabric of a city. Having, you know, obviously having things like giant office parks and hospitals and things in the city is awesome. But like, is there some kind of is there you know I, I wish that I wish that somebody was asking the city manager for a report on best practices of other cities with dealing with this of saying because this could be part of, I I feel like this could be part of a mitigation situation for something like this a mitigation package to say to them like maybe it's put a bunch of money in escrow so that if you go and for the next ten years so that if you go out of business in the next ten years there's sure. at least the money to come in and rehab things and maybe fix some and sewing, knock your stupid building problem. down and sell it to like a housing developer or some, right. something that would actually right. be in tune with the neighborhood as opposed right. to the self-contained or, entity or maybe you say to the guys like why don't you like rehab this property and then sell a couple of acres off and break well, it up a yeah, little smaller and that's where I, I, I've been really torn with just trying to be trying not to be negative in the idea of development because the reality is we've had this again I think it's fourteen acres but we've had this parcel how many cities can say they have 14 acres of vacant land in the heart of their downtown corridor mm-hmm. that's absurd that it's even it a, lot exists. Of ghost towns. a lot of non yes i mean i'm sure there are, are, are chinese <laughs> mining towns that were mothballed years ago that have that kind of uh, land access but yeah. i mean to think of how much land is actually available there the potential is astronomical but the potential only exists within the realm of being able to wrestle that property away from the current owner mm-hmm. uh, without going down the road of, you know, eminent domain or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's, it's shameful to think that we would want to turn down development. At the same time, we need to ensure that, that if that development is going to have impact, again, positive or negative, that we're dealing with both in parallel and thinking that through. We're not just building another mall or we're not building, you know, another whatever because we have the opportunity to, we're actually thinking through the potential outcomes. Yeah. And I, I, I wish I had answers for that one. I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. I'd probably be making a lot more money or sitting with you just we throwing would be money everywhere. A, we would have a if fancier we had the studio. Answers to that. We would have a much better studio <laughs> and a bigger studio audience. Not nearly as well behaved, but it would definitely be a bigger <laughs> studio audience. There it is. But we're going to get there. I mean, you know, the thing is, though, that if people, regardless of how you feel about this, you're in favor of it or against it, you need to actually be out there talking to people. Because that's the, the thing that the gaming company itself, they have the media package and the resources to actually get their message out there. Uh, regardless of where you stand on it, you need to be doing the same thing. You actually need to be talking to your neighbors. Like, what is this the city going to look like in 10 years if this happens? Pro or con? Um, and that's the thing that scares me, is that more people are sitting around waiting to see what comes out of these negotiations which is an important component of it. But at the end of the day, the one outcome that seems day by day more real is that this could actually get pushed to the state to make a ruling on, and then we're stuck with whatever the state says, and we need to be prepared for that. Mm. Uh, And the entire community actually needs to be having big conversations amongst themselves as to what that looks like for the city of Worcester. Well, we are definitely going to have more conversations. I think we'll have people who have strong opinions, pro and con, on this show going forward. I don't know why I'm just feeling so... I feel like there's so many issues that I can just get so ridiculously passionate about. And this is one of them that I'm still feeling calm. 
I honestly don't know why I've been feeling so. I, I think agnostic is the only way to actually frame it, but it's I'm having a really hard time getting amped up over it, even though I, I think in the back of my head I know I don't want it here. It's been very difficult to uh, articulate why without going into falling into one of those buckets that I've been finding kind of annoying, that there are plenty of easy, low-hanging fruit arguments against gambling. I don't think they're rational, reasonable arguments for a society in 2013 to be making, but I think there are some really, really good arguments that we're just starting to scratch the surface on in terms of why this might not be a good thing from a practical perspective. Again, long-term impact on the city. Uh, or what happens if they just decide to go away one day. That stuff could be huge, and, and that's the stuff I don't think we're hearing enough people talking about. We'll talk to your neighbors. Also, you can now stop playing ACDC's Money Talks and start playing Won't Get Fooled Again, because another thing that we need to be looking forward to on this show is that there's municipal elections coming up in the fall. Once again, we'll be trying to get candidates on the show. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Start watching the wire Whether now, we want it to or not. <laughs> We're going to ask candidates questions. As in the past, we're going to have a small series of issues we're going to focus on. Very curious to know, email pieandcoffee at gmail.com. If you have a question, if you have an issue that you think is an issue that we should really be focusing in and that you want to hear the candidates talk about, because we'll get them to talk about it if nobody else will. Obviously, we'll be asking them how much they can bench. Obviously, we'll be asking them about the wire. Probably the casino question will be a relevant question on one angle or another. Other issues that you care about, other issues that are important to the city of Worcester, let us know. Pieandcoffee at gmail.com. Brendan, I think that's the end of the show. Thanks for being on. Well, thanks for having me. Do I have any other uh, decisions I need to make in terms of my role as a thief here? No, I just, wanna, I just want to roll the dice one more time. The power of chance. Everyone, thank you again for watching the show. We'll talk to you next week. It's a loaded die. Four. Four.